On this episode, we discuss dweegons and leprechauns. (laughs) Guys, I hate life. Welcome to the Flop House. I'm Dan McCoy. Oh, hey guys, it's me, Stuart Wellington. Hey, 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 Elliot Kalen, and I apologize that that came off sounding like the Fat Albert tagline, which I did not mean. I apologize. I in no way support Fat Albert, Fat, Fat Albert, or Fat Albert, <laughs> <laughs> nor the creator Fat of Fat Albert, nor the alien version Fat Albert, who is <laughs> who hangs out with his own crew of alien misfits. Fat Albert is in the. And the gift shop looking at fat Albert, looking for fat Albert license plates. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. yeah. well, fat Albert away, is, my... fat yeah. Albert is on the bottom shelf, and he's five dollars less than Fat Albert. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well. So anyway, I'm Ellie Kalen, a... is what I'm saying. Okay. Um, yeah. So uh, welcome to the flop house. Woo! <laughs> now, Stuart, you seem tired. Are you tired? Hey, man. You know, I don't know. Maybe sometimes. Uh, you just had a thing hit you in the eyeballs over and over and you're left reeling almost senseless and then you have to do a podcast about it. Okay, sure. Oh, you're talking about the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dan, what do you think you're talking about? Like paintballs? What? I don't understand. Yeah, I was, I was really worried for Stuart for a second. Yeah, I wear protective eyewear when I go paintballing. <laughs> I was given no such warning when watching the movie Dweegons and leprechauns. <laughs> now, now, <laughs> now, guys, uh, I did some. I prepared some stuff for this movie. So oh, right. have, wow! Uh, yeah, oh, actually, okay. wonderful. So, so wait uh, first before you do that, Dan. What do we do on this podcast? Uh, this is a podcast where we watch a bad movie and then we talk about it. Okay, Stuart, so, back to you uh, to kick things off. Uh, Dweegons <laughs> and leprechauns. <laughs> what? Okay. So that's the prepared material. <laughs> that's your, <laughs> yeah. That's your good stuff. That's good stuff. Uh, Stewart's reaction is the accurate one to Dweegons and Leprechauns. Now, normally we would dick around a while at the top of this ep- uh, podcast, but I feel like there's no dicking around that is more dicking around than talking about the movie Dweegons and Leprechauns, which, uh, Dan, how did this movie come to your attention for Small Vember, the month where we look at small movies? Uh, because it's Small Timber, the month that we look at small movies... I was looking around for uh, options way in advance because it needs to be something that we can all get our hands on, even if it's small. And um, (laughs) you know, that was a weird way to put that. (laughs) Uh, Best case scenario, we are chasing a mouse. (laughs) And and Dan sitting here looking at looking at the microphone, saying that with a completely earnest look on his face. And by earnest look, I mean like. Late actor uh, Jim uh, Jim Barney <laughs> Barney <Thank you>. Jim Barney. <laughs> um, no, this movie uh, was one of the rare occasions that uh, I took uh, listeners' advice. That's right. I usually don't pay attention to the listeners, but in this case, I did. You hate I them. At, you consider I, them to be beneath you. <laughs> mm-hmm. I looked at the uh Yeah, you usually only acknowledge a listener when you are deleting comments. <laughs> <laughs> Those sheep, he mutters to himself as he hits the delete button. 
<laughs> anyway, one of the listeners uh, wrote in with this as a recommendation, and one of the listeners wrote in. Yeah, one of the listeners wrote in. Sent me a portrait of myself, a, a a sculpture of myself in the nude. Okay, and a portrait. He did both of those things. No, I was a, a, a portrait, a sculpture, a portrait. Okay, a portrait of a sculpture. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, that sounds like Rodan. <laughs> I thought he was a giant pterodactyl. My, my my mistake. I apologize. Dan, so a listener wrote in and said, you got to watch this Dweegans and Leprechauns movie. And then yeah. did they include a cyanide capsule with the email? <laughs> uh, I wish I could. I should go back and see if I can find that uh, Dweegans and Leprechauns letter, actually, now that you say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's It's signed... Cypher, comma, Lewis. Wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) He got us again. Oh, Uh, boy. So, So yeah, guys, what what the hell? So it's going to take us a little bit of time to parse Dweegans and Leprechauns, a movie that, I'll just say right off the bat, there's almost no Leprechauns in this movie. Let's just say that right there. Uh, And Dweegans, what are they? Well... Let's find out, shall we? Uh, should we enter the magical, wor- not at all grotesquely designed world of Dweegons and Leprechauns? Guys, you ready? Can you ever be ready? Uh, I don't, so just to pull back the curtain, now that we watch the movies a lo- basically on our own at this yes. point, and never have I felt more alone than watching <laughs> Dweegons and Leprechauns. <laughs> but so I made the decision uh, after getting home from work at 5.30 in the morning on Friday. <laughs> Perfect uh, time to just know, strap maybe in. It was, maybe it was the half a bottle of tequila coursing through my veins that I'm like, you know what? I'm going to pour myself a bowl of cereal, pop on Dweegons and Leprechauns, <laughs> and do my night lotion before bed. And I got to say, I don't remember a lot of that first that first experience. So you're going to have to help me out. You're going to have to hold my my hand, which is very soft because of my night lotion routine. Oh, it's lovely. Uh, yeah. Uh, and you're going to have to walk me through these early scenes. I think something takes place in the Old West times. Yes, you're right. Now, Dweegan's Leprechauns, we should say, is a computer-generated animated film. Now, this means that a computer was forced to make this thing in what I can only assume will someday be a technology crime when artificial intelligence gets its legal rights. Uh, but the movie begins in the year 1849. That's right. The gold rush is in full swing, and we're in an Irish wagon camp in the Old West. The animation is already horrifying. It's like, mm-hmm. what's it called when it is animation that you assume, like, someone submitted this to be the example for the demo for a very cut-rate animated program, and the person who was judging the demos was like, this is not good enough for this program that we're selling for three ninety nine to animate your own movie. And they said, okay, well, I'll make my own movie out of it. What would you call that? Yeah, Dan. What would I call that? Yeah, what's that called? That huge, big <laughs> expression that you came out with? Yeah, what? Yeah. You're, you're, you're a talented editor, Dan. You can chop that Paragraphs and clauses. Okay, so I guess I don't know. So anyway, little Billy Fitzgerald, he's an Irish immigrant. He gives a bunch of donuts to this camp of little troll things that are camped out right outside the wagon train. And uh, they save him from a bear using a slingshot. And what happens is a bear jumps up behind Billy. The, the Dwegan or whatever shoots it with a slingshot. And then the bear is suddenly... Who knows how far away over a cliff and falls through a log and off a cliff. It's like it's so borderline incoherent already. Uh, And the Dwegans say to Billy, hey, what's your family, the Fitzgeralds? Well, from now on, the Fitzgeralds will be friends of the Dwegans forever. 
and they give mm-hmm. him a gold Dwegen coin as a keepsake. That's his. And that's I- my gift to you, just for ordering. And you don't have to keep what you ordered, but you get to keep the gold coin. Fourteen ninety nine manufacturers suggested yeah. retail now, value. I, and I know, I know that I, I know from watching a lot of Judge Judy that that <laughs> that constitutes a binding verbal agreement. Mm-hmm. And you also know that you should not <laughs> pee on someone's leg and tell them it's raining, as we've exactly. talked about before on this podcast. It's not a good way to get out of that situation. And also that Judge Judy seems to know baloney when she hears it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, I don't want to we've we've introduced the Dwegons. And I know that, you know, everyone on Earth obviously is familiar with <laughs> everyone's favorite characters, the Dwegons. <laughs> yeah, we don't need to uh-huh. explain what the Dwegons are, right? We They're everywhere. Need, we, we, we but for the one person who's been <laughs> under a rock and you to whom the word Dwegon might seem like the sheerest gibberish. <laughs> yeah. We yeah. We should explain to that one unlikely person what the Dwegons are, which is that they're basically big faces with spindly legs and arms coming off of them <laughs> and, uh, and, wings. And, uh, and wings. It's like if someone took Mr. Potato Head, threw him yeah. in that vat of radioactive waste that the guy falls in at the end of RoboCop, and uh-huh. then pulled him out of the waste and then hit him with, hit him with a hammer a bunch of times. Uh-huh. Uh, what you'd end up with is basically a Dwegon, except for the one Dwegon who's a rock and roll babe who yeah, looks like uh-huh. a kind of sexy baby doll that yeah. the, where the bottom half is a lizard. I guess and the, I'm and saying, the reason <laughs> the reason you're saying a sexy baby doll is because she has multicolored, super long eyebrows. <laughs> yes, and also sings kind of inappropriate metal ballad type uh, '80s hair metal ballad type songs like that, about like that song about wanting to have sex with a donut. <laughs> yep. That's one of the ones I'm thinking about. So uh, we learn more about Dwegans as they go on. But basically, yeah, radioactive mutant Mr. Potato Heads that look like sometimes look kind of like anti-Jewish caricatures from Nazi literature and sometimes just look like hideous monsters. Uh, But they're the heroes. And as we will learn later, Dwegans, here's the things you need to know about them. One, they live underground. Two, they mine for gold. Three, they love donuts. Donuts. I don't know what a donut is. I apologize. (laughs) Fat Albert and donuts are my... uh, I'm really pulling a bunch of Dan's today, and I don't know why. Uh, So, they mine for gold, they live underground, they Uh, love donuts, and they alternately solve problems and make problems a thousand times worse, depending on what they're doing at the moment. So, we cut to the present. And Uh Billy, that little boy, he's long dead. That was 170 years ago. His great-grandson, who is now an old man, has a horrifying pet cow that he keeps in his house, and he talks to one of the lead Dwegans, Nosy Threehorn, who is – he says he's a reporter for the Dwegan Inquirer. Now, we never see him being a reporter. Did you guys Uh, expect to at some point see him doing his job? Because I did, and it never happened. Thoughts? Uh, Well, his reporter persona is really just a cover for his super Dwegan persona. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. My, mild-mannered, nosy three-horn is actually just super <laughs> Dwegon. And with yeah. the power to, what, be the worst of them? Be the grossest of them? Yeah, yeah be the most he's, And he's the main character Dwegon, right? Yeah, he's the main Dwegon. He's like, oh, wow, guy, come on, let's do this thing. Oh. He talks like that, you know. Okay. Uh, and the old man, he this is a children's movie, scene two. The old man flings a pancake so hard that he dies of a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> and Nosy is so tearful and his grief is so funny. And with his dying words, the old man says, contact my relatives. 
Uh, and then we get the opening titles, Dweegons and Leprechauns. So we're in the magical world of Dweegons. Just to remind you again, we've seen a little boy almost killed by a bear, and we've seen an old man die of a heart attack because he threw a pancake too hard. So that's the magical, whimsical world of Dweegons. Well, okay. and it's also, it's captured in, uh, like, amazingly realistic animation. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If there are times when you're watching a current modern-day Pixar movie, and you're like, this looks so real, why even yeah. bother doing it as animation? I wish yeah. I could see something that had a little bit more stylized exaggeration. And then I saw Dweekend's Leprechauns, and I was like, oh, boy, did I yeah. wish on a monkey's paw? What happened? <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think that the one thing that should not be done is cheap uh, computer animated movies. Like, it just sh- uh, like sh- done on the podcast? No, just done <laughs> as a thing. We should do as many of them on the podcast as we possibly can. But. I don't. I don't think we could possibly do any more, Dan. <laughs> but I mean, there was. There were. Times I'm, gonna, I'm gonna have to check with my shop steward, but I think this is a breach of my contract. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that, like, you can have beautiful shots in a live action, uh, low budget film. You can even make a a hand drawn, uh, you know, animated film that's lovely uh, for cheap. But you cannot make a cheap computer animated movie and what about those beautiful shots of the the lovingly rendered shots of the san francisco uh city line Mm -hmm. the waves lapping (laughs) yeah dan what about that with Uh, with the with the the ocean that looks like a bunch of uh bubble wrap that's that's just kind of moving up and down in a sort of simulation mm -hmm. of ocean currents yeah it's, so so much so that you're like, did Spike Jones Swede this sequence? <laughs> the other thing Here's, that just disturbs me about the animation in this is that the the adult characters and the kid characters, like the the human characters, I mean to say, they all <laughs> thank you. They all walk like the characters in the Money for Nothing video. They all have that kind of movement. <laughs> that's what but, ma- that's what bothered you about them. But, Was it but, the fact that their facial no. features don't seem attached to each other? That yeah, I'm half. I'm halfway through the sentence. Let's <laughs> wait till it reaches its terminus. I'm gonna need a conjunction here, Dan, or at least a semicolon. Let me know. While the Dwegons moved like they were weird claymation critters, like there was this. There was like this fluid animation with the Dweegons that didn't exist with the humans. Mm-hmm. Too but, realistic. But it was like, <laughs> yeah, it was like creepy the way it came off. Well, there's a moment later on when Griso, the Dweegon who loves cars and lives in a, in a house made out of car engines, dances for just like a second. He just does that kind of like breakdancing move where your arm goes does a sine wave and it continues yeah. onto your other arm. And it was horrifyingly fluid in a way that I mm-hmm. could not – Except it was really <laughs> gross. So I understand exactly what you're saying, Dan. Good. Uh, but, but yeah, this was, this was the first time while I was watching this movie, I was like, I miss the visual coherence of Food Fight. And maybe it's just because I'm looking at it in retrospect. But I was like, as ugly as fo- and weird as Food Fight was, the characters like occasionally moved like characters in a movie as opposed – and like, I don't know. It was just like, maybe, you know what, I guys, I got to rewatch Food Fight to see if that's actually true. You guys want to watch it with me? I feel I feel like I want to want to write a handwritten letter to Sherlock Gnomes and apologize because <laughs> that is a startling feat of human creation. Oh, Sherlock Gnomes looks great. I mean and especially but like that's a professional movie and compared to this it's like I agree with you Stuart. Uh, if you can write my name at the bottom of that that apology note that'd be great. Uh-huh. Dan, you want to uh, get in on this apology action? Nah, they know what they did. 
Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, the old Sherlockian, still angry at Sherlock Gnomes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, guys. So, Nosy, he knows what he needs to do. He goes to a council meeting at the Dwegan Lounge Club in Gold City. And uh, after uh-huh. a very long deci- uh, conversation, they decide to find the relatives, which uh, all – so the Dwegans, they kind of look like 3D – mushy versions of like the blue meanies from a uh, yellow submarine except yeah. horrible and it's kind of like and every dwegan has its own accent and personality you've got your southern bell dwegan you've got your english mm-hmm. rocker chick dwegan you've got yep. your dwegan who loves cars you've got your computer nerd dwegan but i felt like, like half of them had brooklyn accents but maybe and, i'm just projecting and most of them had brooklyn accent i mean they all uh, most of them kind of sounded like this we're dwegans yeah that's what <laughs> with this california accent yeah because they're in california and here's this there are a couple moments where i'm like what is going on in this movie and this is one of them where they have this long council meeting scene where the joke is that the elderly leader of the council has to keep looking in the book of Dwegan and then coming to the same conclusions that Nosy already came to about how they've got to contact these relatives. And then another Dwegan walks in with a tray of French fries and goes, who wants French fries? And you hear a voice from off screen go, oh, yeah. Scene abruptly ends. (laughs) And I was like, is that a joke? Was that a punchline to the scene? I don't understand. Like, I don't understand how that minute, that moment, I don't understand how it connected to anything else. And it's like, as I mean, we learn later, Dwegans love donuts. Why was why were French fries there? Uh, so, I mean, that's just a natural act break, right? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> also, I mean, the Dwegans are all like, they're hanging out in this like club kind of place that, uh, yeah, yeah, that so. has like a bar there and, uh-huh. and that's, yeah, it's a real nightclub. Like, yeah. Yeah, no, but it, like, it, it felt like a nightclub to me. Like, it felt like the few times that I've like, I don't know. Like, a few times you've been to a nightclub. Yeah, I've been to some, a place mm-hmm. like that, and it just felt very strange to me to have that emotional like uh, r- recall of that experience while watching a children's movie. Yeah, okay, I can see that. Yeah, the yeah, idea yeah. of like how you're you bring a certain like you bring your experiences with you when you watch a movie. Yeah, that's really insightful, Dan. Okay, <laughs> and it kind of changes the whole experience of the movie. All right. <laughs> I like how something that maybe even the filmmaker hadn't intended. Yeah, I like Stuart has insulted you by bringing up, (laughs) I guess, spectator theory. (laughs) You got served, Dan. So anyway, uh, the Dwegans, I guess, get in touch with the Fitzgeralds. I don't understand how. And Pete Fitzgerald, the old man's what nephew, shows up with his son Timmy. His and he's the one. He's the one who wears the like Letterman jacket that says Chicago on it. Yes, yeah, to show he's from the big city, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's still reliving his glory days since he is a middle-aged man who is a widower who's still <clears> wearing <throat> his varsity jacket. But Because uh, I'll tell you guys, glory days, they'll pass you by. Glory uh-huh. days. Oh, in the I've blink of a young that. girl's eyes. Glory days. Did you just come up with that on right now? Yeah, I just made that up. Also, uh, born in the USA. That was I did. I made that up. <laughs> oh, that sounds so patriotic. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's not the, though. I do like how <laughs> I do like how this dad this dad character. Uh, His name is Lou, Pete. Yeah, in in lieu of <laughs> sure Pete, I guess. <laughs> uh, in lieu of giving him an actual like cleft chin. They just had like there's like a weird slightly off-colored stripe down his chin <laughs> that kind of looks like the facial markings that most aliens have in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, well, I, I assumed he had like a Maori tattoo from his years abroad. <laughs> sure, yeah, that's what he did uh, for his spring break as he went to New Zealand and got a Maori <laughs> tattoo. Like when I was in high school, you know, way back in the Stone Age, 
Mm-hmm. People would more go like to the Mexi- Stone Age, right, Stuart? <laughs> oh, oh, don't tell, uh, don't tell my boss. I'll get fired. Um, and the uh, but I'll I'll, ch- I'll check with my shop steward, and they'll make sure I stick around. <laughs> the uh, the all the kids went to Mexico and came back with like cool braided hair. Mm-hmm. Well, that was probably the same thing, right? Yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah. Uh, cool. So, so uh, my bit's done. Uh, okay, Dan, you have a bit. Let's. Uh, so I'll bounce past the ball to you. Fundamentals. <laughs> okay. Um. Uh, Dan, do you want to talk about uh, the family's weird cat that they bring with them? I mean, it's a Persian cat. That doesn't uh, mean it's weird. No, I mean it is so frighteningly designed and animated. Its head is—it looks like something out of Houseu, and then it mm-hmm. disappears after I think two scenes. Oh yeah. Yeah. I might have missed that part because I also watched this movie late at night and I had dozed off for a little right around this point and then <laughs> right. I woke back up. Well, let me let me fill it in then. Okay, so they go to the house. Uh, Pete is planning to turning it into a, a rustic, lovely country inn to make some money because they don't have any money. And while they're driving there, they're almost run off the road by a Euro trash couple in a sports car and the couple <laughs> okay. talk about how they're going to rob a museum on their honeymoon. And they're like... Just, I mean, they're so fake Eastern European that I assumed they were going to turn into vampires at some point. Uh, mm-hmm. When they get to the house, it literally has a rainbow over it. And Missy, their neighbor, who's an interior designer, and it's implied was close friends with the old man and maybe had sex with him. It's never she, quite she, clear to me. She looks like like a first pass at a farmer's only uh, dating app ad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and she is she's just way too comfortable in this old man's house, which is decrepit as she as she describes it keep in mind this is a children's movie she says this house is messier than a bull with a spastic colon and then mm-hmm. not too long after that the grandma tells peter keep your panties on peter and i was like what what children is this movie for well these are okay lines <laughs> yeah and the fact that the i'm gonna skip ahead a well, little bit colon that jokes for the adults you know it's yeah. like how pixar sneaks in some adult material just yeah, to they, keep always, it. they always sneak in their their uh uncontrollable shitting jokes Mm-hmm. Uh, no, what I was saying was that it, the whole crime subplot, like this movie suffers from that disease that like co- family comedies had in the 80s where it's like uh-huh. there has to be diamond or drug smuggling involved somehow. <laughs> like it's got to come in in the third act kind of to be the conflict because we don't actually have any other conflict, which is what happens here in Dweegans and Leprechauns too. <laughs> the, uh, it's in, in the 80s, like they three- were like, kids love three things. Diamond or drug smuggling, <laughs> getting mistaken for a spy, and corporate intrigue. Kids love mm-hmm. see- making sure that corporations don't fall into the hands of the wrong guy. Dan, you were going to say? Sorry, I interrupted you. No, 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 no. I, I forget. And that's and the and that's why the Dweegans exist. Is they're the like uh, they're the like the sugary syrup to help the uh, the <laughs> other the other stuff go down. Oh, yeah. I assume it's the opposite that the, the the jewels thieving is in there as the as the sugar to help kids swallow the Dweegans, which are <laughs> which should not be swallowed. <laughs> uh, so the house is so decrepit that old man's pet bull is still in it. I assume he's just been roaming around eating the man the old man's corpse and uh, Timmy rides the bull and the bull having served its purpose in the plot of the movie disappears never to be seen again uh, i assume it's ascended to heaven with the old man and now uh, you're probably listening to elliot describe the movie and you're like this elliot's description is so jerky and strange like it has no narrative cohesion well that's kind of how the movie feels like there it feels like a string of shots that have nothing to do with each other yeah. and are just edited in like willy-nilly 
Yeah. You know how when people are planning screenplays, they'll put index cards on the wall, and each index uh-huh. card is a beat in the film? This feels yep. kind of like all those cards fell off the wall, and then like a vacuum cleaner accidentally sucked up half of them. And then they were like, we got to get the movie made. Just throw those cards up on the wall. And they didn't know the order that they were putting them in, and they made the movie off of that. Uh, because so let's get back to the house. It's dangerously un- a decrepit. The dad literally falls through the floor and has to be lassoed by Missy and dragged back up again. Perfect oh, yeah, place they, for they a country the- inn. They use the bull, right? They use the bull to oh, help right. drag him out. That's but he was right. like almost—he was almost out of the hole when the, she lassoed the bull, which seems crazy. <laughs> he could have just climbed the rest of the way. Yeah, it seems strange. So the Dwegans decide we're going to help the Fitzgeralds, but we're going to do it secretly so that they'll just think their luck has turned around. Why? I don't know. Dwegan logic. What are you going to do, those Dwegans? Now I know it's not. PC to say this about Dwegans, but oh wow, uh oh. Let me be <laughs> real for a moment. Elliot's just say on what, one of his tears again. <laughs> let me just say what everyone's afraid to say about Dwegans, which is that they're obsessed with luck, and it's like that's crazy, dude. Just take credit for the nice thing you're doing, because the Dwegans say we're going to keep ourselves a secret, but then they they then reveal themselves to every member of the family within like a day. Let's get to it, but first. That cat gets mad at a Dwegan, and the Southern Bell Dwegan Bronco busts that cat. The cat, again, having served its function in a comedic scene, disappears, vaporized, having accomplished its goal (laughs) on Earth. No need for that frightening, hairy cat to be around. Okay. Yeah. Quick scene, quick scene for Timmy. We're, mi- we're missing all these scenes where the kids wishing things into the cornfield. <laughs> they just got cut from the movie. <laughs> uh, Timmy, uh, we got a brief moment where he asks his dead mom to help from heaven. That goes nowhere. Thanks, Dwegans and leprechauns. Uh, the Dwegans, they're trying to hide a pile of gold nuggets around the house so the humans will stumble on it, but the humans just can't seem to see it. They are so blind. The Dwegans, they just have to get in to help. And, of course, computer Dwegan, who has a chin like a scrotum, but his bright purple, uh, mm-hmm. he decides to— I feel like, like that Like all of them have skin that's basically like— like the texture of an orange, right? Oh, like, yeah, yeah. It, it's that. all oddly lumpy. Now, <laughs> if I was being complimentary about, if I was like this movie's parent and I wanted to take an insult and turn it into a compliment, I'd be, I'd be like, well, it's a riot of textures. <laughs> it's a riot of color and texture. A real, yeah. a, it challenges the eye from moment mm-hmm. to moment. It's a riot <laughs> of people doing, overdoing their voice acting by about <laughs> 75%. <laughs> And so this computer Dwegan, he buys their furniture by hacking into a furniture auctions server and changing the prices. Now, guys, his computer skills are kind of come in pretty handy later, so I'm glad they put this in here to foreshadow it. Meanwhile, yeah. okay, these Russian mobsters who live and work in a warehouse, uh-huh. uh, they want to steal some jewels, the Prague Sun, the Pride of Prague, which is going to be at the San Francisco Historical Museum, which seems like it's kind of outside the purview of the San Francisco Historical Museum. I don't know how the crown jewels of Prague enter into San Francisco's rich and storied <laughs> history, but, you know, I don't know the whole history of, of San Francisco, the Golden City, so perhaps Prague is big there. Now, here's a mistake the bad— now. The bad guy's accent makes the word jewels sound like Jews. So for a while, I thought he was talking about stealing the Jews of Prague. And I was like, this movie got crazy. Yeah, (laughs) I was uh, I was I I took the early precaution to throw on those closed captions. Good idea. uh, Yeah, that helped out in that (laughs) that department. They should have called this movie Dweegans and Captions because they're very (laughs) necessary for understanding it. And you guessed it. Those young lovers we saw earlier are going to be hired by the mobsters to to steal the jewels. Their names are Vlad and I think Katiana. That's so, possible, yeah. Yeah. Uh grandma, she's she catches a Dwegan trying to steal a donut. 
She's cool with it. She feeds him pancakes. Meanwhile, Timmy's exploring the basement and meets Nosy. Nosy takes him to the platform that you go to to get to Juigenland or Gold City, whatever it's called. Uh-huh. And he ta- he, now, let me ex- to explain the science of this because it's pretty complicated, in it, but it makes sense when you work it out. So he's shot with, quote, a harmless rainbow laser beam, which, <laughs> <laughs> which shrinks J- Timmy down to Juigen size. And the way you do it, Dan, do you remember the magic words? You say Juigen twice? You say Juigen to shrink and to get big you say dweeg off so oh. so but before he says dweeg on wait then what the says, fuck does dweeg mean <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> i don't know because it doesn't make sense later on they name the hotel the dweeg inn and everyone's just like yeah dweeg inn make sure it makes sense yeah dweeg i don't i don't get it <laughs> yeah when they when they decide to name the fucking place the dweeg inn they first say no one can know about us. You have to keep our existence secret. And then they're like, they name the place after themselves. <laughs> and then they're always hanging around. Like it's, they don't do a very good job hiding themselves. But, uh, so he does, but you do have a kid yelling, dweeg off, which sounds like, like a curse from in a movie set in the future or something like that. <laughs> uh, they go to Dweegenland. It's a magical place. Timmy almost falls to his death off a rickety bridge right away. Uh, and we find out that Dweegenland is powered by rainbow energy. So there's a brief moment. Missy and Grandma talk about the death of Pete's wife and how Pete is lonely. We all know that he's going to hook up with Missy. It has to happen. Uh, and then we go back to Nosy's tour of Dweegenland, which I'll just say this. I admire the way this movie handles Dweegenland in that this tour is explains their energy uses, how their transportation, their housing, the entire utility infrastructure of Juigenland <laughs> is explained. Yeah, and kids love that. Kids and he, love they also learning. they also cover the fact that Twigans respect their elders, you know? Yeah, that's that's not, it's not a bad thing to grow old. In fact, it's celebrated. There's yeah. this weird part where he goes, Yeah, this is the best houses for the old people. The elders get the best of everything. And it's like, are you trying to make me feel bad, nosy, for prioritizing youth in my mm-hmm. media? Dan, how yeah. did how did you feel about it? As Dan, as someone who's rapidly getting older, how did you feel knowing that in the Juigen city you'd be celebrated? Oh, uh, well, that I missed that part, but that sounds pretty good. How do I get there? <laughs> well, you get there by going to a harmless you, rainbow laser beam and saying, "Oh, Dweigon. that's right, say Juigen." Yeah, uh-huh. I think you've got a shot with that punk girl Juigen. Do you mind <laughs> women that have no sex characteristics at all, and also have, like, weird baby dragon bodies. Yeah, but are still kind of gross because they have, like, where sex characteristics should I be. I don't know why you have to judge her so much, Dan. <laughs> yeah, Dan, don't, I'm not, I don't mean to body shame this 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 vegan lady. I apologize. No, but uh, here's where we learned that the city is runs on captured uh, rainbow power and yeah, people like surf on rainbows. Oh, the surfing on <laughs> yeah. rainbows part was pretty crazy where he's like, Hey kid, do you want to try it? And the kid's like, "No." <laughs> and then they never do it. <laughs> like, yeah. what kind it's like the the I what kind of movie introduces like a fictional export, extreme sport, and then the characters are like, Thank "Nah, you. I'm good." And they don't do it at all. It makes no sense. Uh, but I guess the, they're just setting the, it up for the sequel. And he, and the and Nosy's even like, "Yeah, it's good exercise." But I'm like, the real exercise of of uh, surfing is the like paddling out there. Once you catch the wave, like that's just fun, dude. So do they have to paddle <laughs> up a fucking rainbow? Damn, I think they do. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, this is the part of the movie though where I'm just like, all right, well, this is a weird psychedelic freak out, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's I, a I'm, 
wondering whether my sanity will remain intact. It's, it's yeah. a weird... After seeing Mandy earlier this week, this yeah. was far more horrifying. But it's like a municipal pamphlet in the form of a psychedelic freakout because they're like, here's the building made out of socks. It's our town hall where the laws of Lands are made. And it's like, what? why would a kid care about that? It's like... They were watching The Wizard of Oz, and they were like, this yellow brick road will take you where you want to go. And they go, kids love roads, of course. <laughs> Let's, kids love knowing how cities work. Or like if in uh, if in The Hobbit, they were like, well, we're going to have to go to uh, – what's the name of the of – the, we're going to have to go to Smog's Lair. Here's how Smog's The Lonely work. Mountain? <laughs> we're going to have to go to Lonely Mountain. And here's how the septic tanks on Lonely Mountain work. Because you got to believe a, a dragon's going to have a lot of BMs. So allow me to explain, Bilbo. And Bilbo would be like, fascinating. I love this. This <laughs> and is that's, great. And that's the thing. That's actually the beauty of all of Tolkien's writing is that there's no uh, there's no extra stuff. It's all... all it's, <laughs> Oh yeah, cuts it to the bone. He's like yeah. Elmore. He's the Elmore Leonard of fantasy. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, uh, That's what they say about Tolkien. Not a wasted word in the bunch. Now there is a moment where they explain uh, how Dwegans eat donuts exclusively, and that to yes. a Dwegan, a donut is not unhealthy. In fact, it's extra healthy. And I'm sure you guys were like me, and I just nodded my head. I'm like, hmm, sounds good. <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah, he describes as being like broccoli for them. They do, you know, it's Dwegans have different biology than us. And as you've seen, they don't mind being disgustingly sphere shaped and lumpy. So they really like that stuff. Uh, now, here's some things we also learned that as they're riding along the major Dwegan expressway, that's a joke for the kids. <laughs> the kids love out. jokes about the major Dwegan <laughs> expressway, <laughs> about regional highways. Kids love it. Uh, we learn that the uh, so Nosy tells the story of the ancient Dwegans, which is that in the 19th century, the leprechauns who came to America from Ireland had sex with local fairies, and Dwegans were born. And that's <laughs> and the we entire get to, we story. We get to see that initial courting, right? <laughs> yeah, as where they the, square uh, dance on a man's carpet. And the the way it's shot, where it keeps like cutting to like the lips of the fairies <laughs> <laughs> and like this the shimmy of their hips and you're like what is going on yeah, here cuts to a 30 minute sex scene of the two of them <laughs> and like yeah and the and the uh the leprechaun's hair gets all ruffled because they're all hot and bothered oh Crazy. yeah yeah starts saying things about his shillelagh we all know what he's talking about it's gross anyway uh they go to the rock club of Sophia, the rock and roll Dwegan, and she plays her ballad about how she's got a hole in her heart tonight and only you can fill it. Mm-hmm. It's not really a kid-friendly song, I guess is what I'm saying. I do I do like that she's playing the song to a crowd of no one, and <laughs> yeah. our, our, t- our two travelers arrive uh, with the piano key staircase, and they walk in, and we get to see her play her song a little bit, and it cuts to them, and they're immediately enjoying the music by just jumping up and down. <laughs> <laughs> I got to assume they're just trying to make her feel better. It's like that horrible Improv Everywhere prank where they all went to a local band's show and pretended they were huge fans of the band. Right. They're, they're doing that to her. They're just gaslighting her so that they can convince her to be a big star so that she'll, I guess, what, sign over the rights to her songs? Dan, yeah. what's their plan? What's their scheme? What are they doing? Uh, well, they know, yeah, they know that the publishing rights to the songs is where the sweet money is. <laughs> you get all that, uh, I mean, you get that ASCAP money, mm-hmm. you get, uh, money when it's used in commercials. It's all, it's all, it's all, it's all, it's, that's the sweetest Okay, plum. so they're trying to trick her out of her, yeah. her millions. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, uh, Nosy says to Timmy, we're going to help your dad get the gold he needs to build his inn in exchange But in a for- way, sorry to interrupt, Elliot. 
But in a way, aren't they doing her a favor? Because uh-huh. by keeping her like lean and hungry, like I feel like she'll be she'll have a better creative output, you know, like like the no. difference of like early Metallica versus late Metallica when they're rich and not as talented. <laughs> I see. <laughs> so you were saying that a long time ago they were metalented and now they're yeah. metalentless. <laughs> yeah. I don't totally agree. I, I spit out the bones, a great song off their most recent album. Uh, sure. There's a reason they put it last on the album because if you would not have stuck around with the album, if that was the first song, you would have been like, great, I got it. These other ones don't quite add up. Yeah. But, uh, Anyway, that was uh, Stuart and Elliot go after Metallica. Uh, mm-hmm. If you have, if you want to tell Lars that we did that and get us beaten up, just write to Lars Ulrich, care of Metallica, one two three Millionaire Road, anywhere USA. <laughs> dollar sign, dollar sign, dollar sign, dollar sign, dollar sign. The zip code is made out of dollar signs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so okay, so they say we'll give you the gold, but you got to give us five thousand donuts, and it, it seems like that might be a challenge for Timmy. And he goes, but then knows he goes. The old man had a deal with the donut shop in town that he would give him donuts in exchange for gold dust. Okay, great. So why did you need Timmy to facilitate this transaction? Seems like you got it taken care of. And since most of the time when people sit – now, if you saw a Dwegan in real life, Dan, what would your reaction be? Give me your honest reaction. I would try and crush it with my boot. (laughs) Yes, I think all of us would. We would scream in horror and try to kill it. But in this movie, when people see Dwegans, they act as if – a regular person just walked by. Like, they, they respond to Dwegans the same way you would respond to, like, a mailman, where you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, do you have something for me? Great. Nice to meet you. The, Goodbye. Well, the Dwegans the do suggest that adults have a more difficult time accepting them, but that doesn't seem to be the case. No, the adults are just ready to, they're ready to get on the D train. That D, you know what it stands for? <laughs> what? Dwegans. Okay. I don't know why yeah. that was a mystery for you, Dan. <laughs> no, that's good. Were you hoping so the D stood worse. for Dan? That you wanted <laughs> yeah. to be in the movie? <laughs> now, why is this movie called Dwegans and Leprechauns? Like I, my theory, my literal theory is that people were like, nobody knows what the fuck a Dwegan is. Like, <laughs> yeah. shove some what, shove some leprechauns on there. Well, why don't they just go all the way then and call the movie uh, Leprechauns and Leprechauns? Plus fairies <laughs> equals Dwegans. <laughs> Leprechauns and leprechauns would be a pretty good name I, for it. I do think using a math problem as a title hasn't been done before. Uh, now right here's yet. the yeah, that's true, Dan. Uh, what so let's let's take that idea to its farthest limits. The title is a math problem. Uh, fairies plus leprechauns equals Dwegans. You think yes. that would somehow be clearer than the title <laughs> Dwegans and leprechauns? I do. <laughs> You know, I mean, like, yeah, because pretty... it's a math problem, and people would immediately assume it's a title for a movie, uh-huh. yeah. and so they should watch this movie that's <laughs> roughly a hundred what uh, an hour and thirty eight minutes. That's this is a yeah, it's crazy that how that this movie manages to be as long as it is. Now, Dan, people love math. You you hit the nail on the head with that. You always see people doing math for fun. Uh-huh. Actually, I guess they do. It's called Sudoku, but uh, <laughs> but that's not, not like math. Math. You just need to know numbers. Uh, so you want to tap into that untapped math for fun market like we all know the people who go to those uh those pub math nights where they compete to see if they can get the math faster than anybody else and let's not forget how much money mathletes make uh and all those endorsement <laughs> deals well and math magicians everyone's favorite type of magician now what makes a math magician different from a regular magician <laughs> well a regular magician does something impressive like disappearing uh-huh. where as a math magician gets a couple of numbers from you and does goes through a bunch of sequences of uh, of 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 expressions 
what do you what do you call them? Equations. Math problems. Equations. He does a bunch of equations, math problems, and then he's like, "Oh, your number was zero. and you're like, "Oh, great! You somehow processed everything through a bunch of math problems that turned it mm-hmm. into zero. Impressive. You're saying that a a math Dan, have, Dan have you been uh, practicing your close up mathic? <laughs> <laughs> This guy is on fire. Boo, boo, boo. Okay, so uh, Timmy pretends to find the gold. Great. And then uh, (laughs) there's another scene that kind of sums up the movie for me, which is two hideously ugly Jwegans, a very extreme close-up of them. One picks up the phone, makes a call. We sit there and watch as the phone rings multiple times, and then he just says, they got the gold, TTYL, and the scene is over. It's like it has everything that's wrong with this movie where the scene is pointless. We don't need to know that. And it's taking up time that could be used explaining what the fuck we're watching. Two. I mean, it's to continue the it's to it's to go along with the idea we talked about on the last episode of scenes in movies that don't necessarily, uh, you know, relate to the plot, but are, you know, just a nice little piece of uh, flavor. That's true. Yeah, it's just adding rich sauce to it. OK, one, it's a scene that we don't need to see. Two. You are forced to look at these horrible Dwegans as they do a very mundane thing. And three, yeah, they're just like, they're not doing anything. Like, you're just sitting there with these horrible designs while they literally wait on the phone for it to ring. Like, and then, the, and then it abruptly ends when there could be a conversation of some kind. It's like the movie is constantly bringing you into scenes that don't make any sense, take forever, and then abruptly ends when they might be going somewhere. Dan, prove me wrong. Counterpoint. Um, Dan, you're it, taking the part in this debate. Dwegans and Leprechauns is a great movie that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> and your opening statement. Uh, like the works of Jodorowsky, mm-hmm. Dwegans and Leprechauns <laughs> draws upon a rich uh, mystic uh, tradition. Strong opening. And its psychedelia mm-hmm. opens your mind to a new way of storytelling. Mm-hmm. Wow, uh, Dan, I think you proved me wrong. We should put that bl- <laughs> they should put that blurb on the box of Dweegas and Leprechauns. Opens your mind to a new idea of storytelling. Dan McCoy, uh-huh. the Pop House. No, yeah, actually, yeah. Dan McCoy, the Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Yeah, and just put and and just put a little picture of uh, Yodorowsky on on the box too. <laughs> it says it Yoda rocks. Alejandro Yodorowsky, <laughs> director, Magic Mountain. <laughs> uh, uh, wait, director of the Magic Mountain? Yeah, right. I thought it was Holy Mountain. Oh, sorry, Holy Mountain. You're right. It's the Holy yeah, Mountain. I apologize. Magic Mountain sounds like a theme park ride. It is. I mean, a theme, it there is a theme is, park. Right? Magic Mountain is the theme park. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but Yodorovsky founded it. Uh, oh, whoa! He was he was going to do a movie based on the video game Roller Coaster Tycoon, and instead he said, "What what what's a more what's a more realistic experience than a movie? An actual experience." So he started this. Uh, this Yodorovsky themed theme park, but Holy Mountain, he didn't own the rights to the name. Uh-huh. And they told him, just call it El Topo Land. And he said, no, no, no. There's already El Topo Europe, which is a, di- mm-hmm. which is a European theme park. And so yeah. they named it Magic Mountain instead. And that's the story of the Yodorovsky <laughs> theme park. Back to Dwegans and Leprechauns, a movie that Dan McCoy describes as, uh, how did he describe it? A psychedelic feast for the senses? <laughs> yes, that's right. Close so, enough. So anyway, the Dwegans are worth now construction is in earnest on the house. Now the, and I guess they're paying the construction workers in gold nuggets. And the Dwegans are worried that the construction is going to cave in Dwegan land underneath the house. So they sabotage the equipment. 
uh, and then reveal themselves to the dead immediately and say, hey, we're worried that if you dig here, it's going to hurt Schwiegenland. Here's an alternate construction plan, and here's some gold bars to pay for it. And you should name the hotel the Dweeg Inn. And they tie him up, and there's a couple of scenes of him. So this is the only scene in the movie where the father is not wearing his trademark jacket, but instead he is wearing, uh, you know, like a like a white uh, like a white sleeveless like a white tank top. He's in his pajamas. I was, right? I was trying to I was trying to come up with an inoffensive name for that garment. <laughs> yeah, I think sleeveless shirt is the way, is the way to go. I I understand your problem there. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of shots of him like kind of straining at his bonds, and I thought it was kind of <laughs> sexy, right? Uh, oh and his dear. hair is all messed up. I'm like, yeah, I'm into it. Yeah, this is how this is how fetishes start. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, Tweegans. <laughs> now it's weird when a kids' movie is actually more weirdly sexual than the uh, than the deviant art based on it. But I think Tweegans Leprechauns has man- managed to pull that off. <laughs> Uh, guys, now we've got some trouble. Things are going great at the inn, the Dweeg Inn, as they name it, a name that I'm sure has led many a traveler to say, what? (laughs) (laughs) Like, is Dweeg the name of the guy who made it? Oh, and someone goes, oh, it's a play on the word Dweegan. And the other person goes, what is a Dweegan? How is that? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, then then their eyes melt out of their face. Um, (laughs) Like an uh, atom bomb go off right, right at that moment? I feel like, I mean, it's one of those names that's so common that, like, you go to almost any town and there's a Dweeg Inn, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, that's the thing. You know, if you go to a Dweeg Inn, you're going to get the same great service. It's not it's not the most luxurious place, but you're going to get clean sheets, a warm bath, and weird scrotum-looking Mr. Potato Head lump monsters that tie you up in the middle of the night. That's just the service you can expect at any Dweeg Inn location, <laughs> coast to coast. Now, Dan, you were going to buy a Dweeg Inn franchise and open one up in Brooklyn. How's that working out? Uh, I, you know, I got, you're still looking for investors, right? Yeah. Well, I think, uh, I mean, I know that you've been trying to put together your own video presentation to entice investors, but I don't think you have to do the work. You could just show them this movie, Dan. Yeah. Oh, actually, I was going to say that that had been the problem is I show PowerPoints and the PowerPoints include photos of the Dwegans. Okay. And and everyone runs screaming (laughs) from the room at that Uh, point. Fair point. Uh, Fair point. And, but that was originally your plan. They were going to do that. But as they run, all their money would fall out of their pockets. And you would just <laughs> yeah, right. it all up with a, with and a shovel. Jewels. <laughs> and yeah. their jewels. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, so those thieves we mentioned earlier, they steal the Prague Sun and they go to hide out at the Dweeg Inn. Uh, the Dweeg Inn's, of course, giving you the service that is, you know, just standard at a Dweeg Inn. Go through their bags and find the Prague Sun jewel. They think it's a gold donut. They take and it is, and put it on display underground. Pretty- this is pretty common in this kind of like crime, you know, this kind of crime noir like storytelling where you have multiple stories. Oh, yeah. It's a real Red Rock to, West. Yeah. That <laughs> seem to be like, yeah, slowly like merging to this uh, inevitable confrontation. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I should say more of a two days in the valley. Yeah. This was a two Dweegans in the valley type Although there, there is a moment where the, the two criminals double cross the third member of their gang by spraying him in the eyes and what, like kicking him out of the back of their car or something. Uh, in this movie? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Because this Weasley guy who is who works for the Russian mobster, they say, we're going to blame this on you. And that doesn't, the, the mobster doesn't believe that. He, he knows to go after these two. Uh, so, the Dwegans put on display, and Sophia sings the aforementioned song Stuart mentioned earlier about wanting to have sex with a donut. Uh, it goes on for a while, too, right? And then I think she starts playing another song. But the and thieves, do, they, do they steal the... Do the Dweegans steal it from the thieves because it looked like a donut? 
They thought yes. it was a golden donut. Yes. Oh, they didn't realize it was the son of Prague or whatever. No, no. They're not that familiar with Eastern European jewels. Which, sure. to be fair, they're Jwegans. They live underground. They don't seem to have regular television reception. That we know they have we know they're on the internet and we know they have phones, but maybe they've never been to the San Francisco Historical Museum. They're not members, certainly. They don't get the calendar mailed to them that says what mark out these days we're going to have the Prague sun for a limited time and here's we're not going to show you a picture of it because it's a hideously ugly piece of garbage but we want you to come in and see it we're just going to tell you it's impressive we're not actually going to show it to you so yeah. they haven't seen any of that so they don't know what yeah. it is they assume it's just kind of again as anyone would assume a golden donut now here's the question uh-huh. when you're a Jwegan, doesn't uh-huh. everything kind of look like a donut yeah because this thing doesn't actually i mean it doesn't really look like a donut it's got a bunch of shiny prongs coming out of it it's but, just round I mean, when you look at a donut and uh you're like in a really good mood doesn't it kind of look like <laughs> you guys got shiny prongs coming out of it yeah it's like shining uh sure yeah it's like a donut is starring in a disney cartoon and those light like, beam, those sunbeams are coming out of its head mm-hmm. you look out and the way the sun like sh- glints off of the the glaze on the donut <laughs> or you see the star that leads you to Jesus, but it's a donut instead. What? I mean, Dan, <laughs> if a donut led people to Jesus, we'd have a lot more Christians in this world. Am I right? <laughs> yes. People love donuts, why, why, what I'm saying. Why is Elliot winking at you, Dan? <laughs> wink, know. wink, 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 wink. Dan, have you heard the good news about donuts? <laughs> They're delicious. <laughs> I have heard that. Oh, okay. Well, uh, so, Stuart, have you... Uh, Heard the good news? Am I the first? Is this only news to me? Was everyone else aware of this already? So, guys, <laughs> this is around where the criminals realize their donut trophy has been stolen. <laughs> yeah, they hold everyone at gunpoint, and Timmy goes. And by by guns, I mean there's one pistol and one Uzi. Yes, uh, and because this is apparently a Shane Black movie. <laughs> this is the end of Iron Man three. So that's what they've got. Uh, they certainly don't have Iron Man armor, because why would anyone use Iron Man armor in an Iron Man movie? Just send them to a warehouse full of boxes, or I guess it's a loading dock. Just put guns in their hands. Shane Black. Look, I don't even want to talk about that guy, for obvious reasons. Yeah. Anyway, so, Timmy, he takes everybody except Grandma to Dweganland, uh, shrinks them down. They don't seem to have a problem with this. The Russian, and they just, the thieves just start shooting up Dweganland. Meanwhile, the Russian mob shows up at the inn, but the Russian mobster... He kind of takes a sweet tooth interest towards grandma, if you know what I mean. I mean, she she's pretty awesome. I'm, she's presenting pretty hard too. Like she's thirsty. This is not. <laughs> she, yeah, she's down to pound. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, grandma might as well like. If, if anything, at a certain point, it becomes embarrassing just how desperate she is for this mobster to just like give it to her. You know. But, but anyway. I think she's. I think. I think she's like. Like gaslighting him, like she's leading him on to try and trick him. Oh, maybe I'm not because so she's sure like, about that. who's this creep with a ponytail and glasses? Sun, I I think, sunglasses. I think it's more like this: Who's this creep with the sunglasses and ponytail? Oh, hey. okay, cool. Grammy Grandma, likes. Okay, Grandma Fitz is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, so the Dwegans have to defend themselves, but according to the book of Dwegan, they can't use guns. So instead, they just <laughs> shoot potato bazookas at them. That's right. Tons Seems of like a pretty big loophole in the thing. Like, oh, you can't use guns, but you can use a gun-shaped thing that shoots a projectile. I don't know. I don't know who like wrote these fucking Dwegan laws and who's enforcing them. But I think a potato gun eh, is not frankly, the spirit of the law. Frankly, it sounds <laughs> it sounds un-American. Yeah. Yeah. Well, guys, I don't know what to tell you. You're right. 
I, I'm not going to stand up and, and argue that the Dwegan <laughs> Constitution isn't full of loopholes, or as they call them, donut holes, because they're obsessed with fucking donuts. Yeah. But look, maybe it's an, an imperfect document, but the Dwegans who wrote it were not perfect Dwegans, and we're fooling ourselves to think that they had all the answers. It was written hundreds of years ago. Times have really changed for Dwegans. Maybe it's time to have a new Dweegstutional convention where mm-hmm. we can finally rewrite the Dwegan Constitution – to reflect mm-hmm. the modern world. Dan, what would you suggest? Uh, well, we got to make the emoluments clause a lot clearer. Um, <laughs> okay. We probably need to make yep, it okay. Start, start from the top. We got okay. <laughs> to make it clear that no one's above prosecution, including the president of the United States. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. Well, now, the I don't president know. of the Dwegans. Yeah, let's remind you again, this is about the Dwegan Constitution. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Which does not the have Dwegan jurisdiction over the president of the United <laughs> it would, States. It would be interesting if Dwegan law <laughs> had power over the U.S. government, though. I mean, yeah. America won't even give itself, won't even give the International Criminal Court jurisdiction. The idea that we're just going to accept Dwegans rolling in and telling us how to run our business seems mm-hmm. pretty unrealistic. Let's just say that. But anyway, <laughs> uh, the Dwegans... You know, wi- wish- wishful thinking. <laughs> yes. The Dwegans drive back the thieves with their potatoes, and then Sophia zaps them with electricity from her guitar, which is a power I didn't know she or anyone had, which seems this crazy. Is after, this is after they shrunk the thieves. Yeah, right? yeah. They're all in Dwegan okay. land now. Yeah. Uh, and so... The thieves find a place that was mentioned earlier, which I thought was called Dargan's Hell, but it holds prisoner a guy named Devargan, who is uh-huh. a bad guy Dwegan, who loves gold, and they free him and his cronies in exchange for his help. And this is what, you know it's a good movie when the mm-hmm. ultimate bad guy is introduced 20 minutes before the end of the film, and suddenly the movie becomes about stopping him when you've never known this character existed before. Dan, tell us about Devargan. How did he strike you? Was he the one that looked kind of like a dragon? Yeah. Yes. Like a dragon who wore like a chainmail shirt well, or a steel mail shirt. He made Sorry. a really big impression on me since I had to ask that question about him. I mean, he's literally the big bad villain of the movie. And yeah. he's he's about the same size as uh he's about the same size as the dad character, right? Uh I get once the dad's shrunken down. Yeah, not not <laughs> That would be crazy. <laughs> if he was like 6 feet tall. That now yeah. the dad does uh so Devargan, everyone's afraid of him, and they start setting up defenses. Devargan takes forever to get to the rest of the Dwegans. The Dwegans, they're shooting bad guys with potatoes. Everyone's fighting. The dad actually punches Devargan so hard that he knocks him down and then runs uh-huh. away. So it's like, yeah. why didn't you just press the attack against Devargan? It seemed like you could have just kicked him in, in the head until he was gone. But there's only one way to stop Devargan, and by that I mean two ways. One, throw oil and bees at him, which they uh-huh. do, and then – have your computer Dwegan get in touch with the Chinese Dwegan land, which then teleports a robot to them that has force field breath (sighs) that traps all the bad guys. And now, guys, let's take a minute to talk about Dwegan land China, which is mentioned once very early in the movie. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. They set it up. (laughs) <laughs> they did. That's yeah, they did the yeah, adequate fair. setup work. You fair is fair. Robert McKee is just sitting there nodding, going, yes, you did the work. Yes, I'll <laughs> accept it. Now, Dwegenland China, I thought it was a throwaway joke, but it turns out it, there's Dwegenlands all over the world, and the Chinese Dwegenland somehow feels both like they're pandering to the Chinese market and being racist in a way mm-hmm. that I can't quite ex- – it, bo- it feels like a racist pander uh, and not, of course – and by pandering to the Chinese market, I'm not talking about – pandas but with a brooklyn accent and saying mm-hmm. pander that's not what mm-hmm. i'm doing i'm talking yeah. about I mean, they, did, you, they, they did have one dwegan who looked uh very buddha like yeah uh, true. and uh, uh that was the part that made me feel like 
uncomfortable with the whole concept. Because what <laughs> the reason it made Dan uncomfortable is because he's like, if they are, they look like caricatures of, uh, you know, Chinese people. Does that mean the American Dwegans are meant to look like us? <laughs> Is this what we look like to the rest of the yeah, world? It, yeah, it, it tore open my brain. <laughs> yeah, and Dan poked Only a little at his, out. at his scrotal chin and watched it jiggle in the mirror and said, <laughs> my God, we are Dwegans, aren't we? I do uh, like how the the uh, the Chinese Dwegans use computers with like, multi-fingered uh like metal hands like the uh computer operators in ghost in the shell (laughs) yeah so they can type more more uh more keys at once uh it's a weird moment and most of the if you watch the credits most of the people who worked on this movie were chinese like everyone who worked on it in a technical capacity it seems was, was chinese so it's like well what did they think about this scene or were they did they love it anyway uh at so the movie ended the way it the only way it could by Chinese Dwegans turning their, uh, sending a robot to them that traps the bad guys with force breath. The Dwegans celebrate with, how else? Sophia's rock and roll show. Mm-hmm. Missy and Dad dance and kiss. And there are fireworks that erupt that spell Dwegans, as if to remind the Dwegans who the <laughs> fuck they are. <laughs> uh, here's the thing I learned about this movie Dwegans love Dwegans, and they love talking about Dwegans. Like, mm-hmm. there's no subject they care about more than themselves. But the mobsters are still in the house. Luckily, the Dwegans stop them almost instantly. They return the prog son <laughs> to the museum, and the mobster is on TV being arrested, and he's shouting to the grandma going, Grandma Fitz, call me, call me. And to the cop, he goes, stop pushing me, stop pushing. Hey, call me, stop pushing. And it was the one moment in the movie I laughed genuinely that I thought it was mm-hmm. kind of funny that he just the way he was delivering the line was like, stop pushing, please. But uh, the inn is now all booked up. They're famous, uh, and everything is great. And as the credits roll, Nosy starts yelling things at the audience, and you think this is going to be a runner, but I think they ran out of stuff for him to say. So <laughs> he only does it twice, and the credits roll over the original uh, production art and design art for the movie. Which is all terrifying. Which looks horrifying. And you see sculptures they must have made of the Dwegans, yes. and they're f- so frightening. And for a moment, I thought that it was like <laughs> – in a movie where, like, I thought for a moment that it was like The Room, where they're like, mm-hmm. we showed you the fake versions. Now, oh, I'm sorry, uh, Disaster Artist. Where they're like, we showed you the fake room, now we'll show you the real room. And for this one moment, I was like, wait, are Dwegans real? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I was so frightened. But luckily, they're just hideous statues that I hope somebody finds and mails to us so that we can use them to scare each other <laughs> while we're sleeping. <laughs> Yeah, as we create our own Guillermo del Toro-style museum yeah. of horror. Um, <laughs> museum of crap. Some things that just should not be realized in three dimensions. Now, I wasn't, I was a little bit bummed about in the final confrontation against DeVargan, <laughs> they reveal that his real name is like Dennis or something. I think it's Daryl. Daryl or something. And they make a point of like taunting him and teasing him with that name. And I'm like, dude, why all the bullying? Right? <laughs> yeah, very fair. I why agree. do you have to sink below, like why do you have to sink to that level? It's just like, shoot him with a potato gun. <laughs> as the, as Nietzsche once said, when we hunt for Devargans, we become Devargans ourselves. <laughs> which is true. It's just true. They're no better than the bad guy at that moment. Yeah. Now, during Dwegenland, during the fight with Devargan, much of Dwegenland is destroyed, and the Dwegans uh-huh. don't seem to mind that much. And I was like Oh, I get it. They're going to build a new Dwegan land to replace the old one, and everyone's going to be happy. No, they don't. They don't care. Doesn't matter. Yeah, because- they, I mean, they're already living in garbage. <laughs> it's like this movie. It's like uh, 
the movie, you know, sometimes when there'll be a uh, movie and they'll do a sequel to mm-hmm. that movie that has a new creative team and they okay. just won't, they won't address the plot threads from the previous movie. Like the, mm-hmm. like uh, the Tim Burton and Joel Schumacher Batman movies uh-huh. where you're like, I guess this is supposed to be the same Batman, but like everything's different and the rules of the world have changed. That's what uh-huh. the scenes in this movie feel like. I feel like I was watching, like it felt like I watched the entire Dwegan film series, but from movie to movie, they didn't care from one moment to the next. Uh-huh. So, so things just disappear. They happen and no one bothers. And every now and then, sure, you get a beautiful moment like Griso, the car loving Dwegan, uh, taking a hideously filthy bath in the sink while using the dad's toothbrush as a loofah, which leads uh-huh. the dad to then sit down on the toilet and they two of them just gripe to each other about how nobody respects them. <laughs> the sure, line, get- the line, tell me about it, Griso. Is- <laughs> <laughs> so you do get great scenes like that, sure. Or the scene where the elderly Dwegan is is lusting after the grandma from afar and just talking about how hot she is. Like you get, I mean, magic moments like that, but I guess it doesn't add up to a cohesive whole is what I'm saying. Uh, I yeah. like I, you mentioned it before, but when the fireworks uh, spell out Dwegans, you you like expect that to be the very last thing that happens in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Like the fireworks go up, he goes Dwegans, and you're like, "Yay, Dwegans and leprechauns!" You know, you you skip out of the theater. But then there's like a whole other sequence after the Dwegans yeah. They hadn't thing. even stopped the mobsters at that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a little bit like if in at the end of the Jason Segel Muppets, there's that part where they throw. What's the new Muppet's name? Fred, Timmy, Walter, Josh, Josh, Walter. When they throw Walter up in the air and it freeze frames on him, it's like if that happened and then they were like, but wait a minute, guys, we've got to get to the funeral in time. And then they had to race to like (laughs) some character you've never heard of's funeral. And you're like, wait, there's more of the movie. Like what's going on? Oh yeah. Sam, the Eagle died. We've got, we've got to, we've got to go pay our respects. Oh no. That's too bad. Symbolic. To be honest. Oh wow. Dan, you're really bringing the political thunder today. (laughs) Dan, of all the Muppet characters, if one of them had to die, and I mean for good, this is canon. They're not coming back. And Stuart, like a like a like a Maud Flanders type thing. Exactly. Who who would you choose? Uh, maybe I choose. And don't say Skeeter. Skeeter doesn't count. She's not canon. Right. Well, I mean, Scooter's a pretty good choice now that you mention it. But I but maybe that bunny. The bean bean bunny. Oh yeah, bean bunny would be a quality. Yeah, I could see that. Nobody would miss him, but it would have have heft. What would you say, yeah. Stuart? Uh, who's uh, who's Gonzo's chicken girlfriend? Camilla. Camilla. You can't kill yeah. Camilla. And then and then Gonzo gets super fucking dark, right? <laughs> oh, so you're you're fridging Camilla. Is yeah, I'm gonna saying. fridge Camilla. <laughs> oh boy, oh, for one Zack Snyder's Muppets. No, no. <laughs> There's gonna be a lot of shots of Gonzo sitting on uh, sitting next to some gargoyles in the rain. Not gargoyles, the characters, gargoyles, the stone things. But maybe yes. one of them comes to life and talks to him. <laughs> sure. I mean, they're puppets. Why not? Yeah. Uh, um, now, now. Uh, did you I, did you have an answer, Elliot? Or oh, did the, you just want to steal all that, our good ideas? That janitor. Oh, the janitor. Okay. Yeah, that, or no, you know what? Or maybe that. Uh, uh, who's that weird? That android Muppet from Muppets Tonight. With the crazy yeah. Oh, hair. yeah. I mean, I think it's great that you guys are choosing characters to die that have no narrative consequences. I think that's great. <laughs> <laughs> no, Stuart, I admire the risk you took by killing off the closest character to Gonzo, really hurting that character. Okay, fine. Fozzie. I'll kill Fozzie then. What do you guys think? <laughs> oh, oh, God. What? what a tragic end. Yeah, deal with it. And you know how he died? No. On stage? Yeah, but it was a drug overdose. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. Poor guy. It's a real. So he's basically the movie Lenny. But with Fozzie. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, we should give our final judgments about this movie, whether it's a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie we kind of like. Yeah, are because there, by now the audience be any, might be surprised. <laughs> any shocking reversals? Uh, <laughs> Stuart, what do you have to say? Guys, this is a bad, bad movie. Uh, sometimes people like watch the movie before listening to the episode. Uh, if I, I'm going to send out all the energy I can for people to not do that. I know that if you're already listening and you've done it, you have, you are like, uh, you know, uh, yeah, you, you're already mad at me at this point. Uh, I, I'm going to put it in, I, I did fall asleep for like a little bit in the middle, <laughs> but as so I said, snorifying, so it's snorifying is what you're saying. Shocked over. <clears throat> But I have it as a marginal good bad because it's so baffling. Like it, it, it is. It is like nothing you will ever see. And sometimes that's <laughs> interesting. <laughs> yeah, even I would though say it's horrifying. Even though don't what? don't watch it on your well. own. I I implore you, please. Yeah. If if you watch it on your own, make sure you have somebody come check on you in like twenty thirty minutes. Yeah, this is uh, so. I would say to watch it on your own, it's the worst bad movie. To watch it with another person, it could be an interesting, you know, you know, masochistic experiment, you know, to see just how far you can go. It's terrible, but yeah, to watch it, it's like an it's like an acid trip. Like, don't do it on your own because you may never come back, and then just be an empty husk. And all you'll mm-hmm. be able to say is "jwig off, jwig on, jwig off, jwig on," and they'll say all mm-hmm. he's muttering is gibberish, and they'll take you to the real jwig in Arkham Asylum. Whoa. Hmm. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne, and justice is within your reach. My mom refuses to take my phone calls. My boyfriend says I should take our cats with me to graduate school, but I think he should keep them. In the court of Judge John Hodgman, justice rules. My partner's board game collection is out of control. My sister won't stop stealing my clothes. I'm Judge John Hodgman. I'm tough, but fair. I'll bring you justice, and I'm only a click away. Tipping. Automotive etiquette. Siblings. Roommates. If you've got a case, go to MaximumFun.org slash JJHO. Judge John Hodgman is tough, but fair. Subscribe to the podcast today. Judge John Hodgman rules. That is all. I'm Allie Gertz. And I'm Julia Prescott, and we're the host of Everything's, Everything's Coming, Coming Up, Up Simpsons. Simpsons. Every episode, we cover a different episode of The Simpsons um, that is a favorite of our special guests. We've had guests that are showrunners and writers and voice actors like Nancy Cartwright. I got a D minus, I passed! And we've also had people that are on the Max Fun Network already. Homer wearing that golf outfit is I so funny. It. And there's, <laughs> when he gets super into golf, he's wearing the golf hat in bed. bed. We've had Weird Al Yankovic on the show. I was just uh, struck by how sharp the writing is. I mean, that's no surprise because it's The Simpsons. But, I mean, like, you you can't say that about a lot of of TV shows, particularly ones that at that point have been on the air for 14 years. Find us on MaximumFun.org, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Smell you later. So we should uh, move on and uh, thank our sponsors. Before going too much further. And our first sponsor is the Dweeg Inn. Oh, no. Uh, the first sponsor, the Flophouse, is supported in part by Amazon Prime Video Channels. Prime Video Channels is an Amazon Prime benefit members can use to access great entertainment instantly. Why not create a TV lineup you love 
from 100 plus premium and specialty channels like Showtime, Stars, HBO, CBS All Access, and more. You can start a free seven day trial of any of the channels you have not tried yet. Only pay for the channels you want with Prime Video Channels. Start your free trials of over 100 channels by visiting tryprimechannels.com slash flop. So that's a new sponsor for us. Oh, that's great. Yeah, and and uh, great. I wonder, Dan, you wonder what? could you watch this movie on there? Uh, in fact, <laughs> in fact, if you have Amazon Prime already, you can see Dweegans and Leprechauns free of charge. <laughs> It, so. It's not exactly the same thing as channels, I believe. But yeah, if you if you have Amazon Prime, Dweegan's Leprechauns is right there for the snacking. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, but yeah, this I I love the idea of being able to choose what I want to watch without being tied to lame-o cable. Because, you know. Hey, hey, hey. Let's not Wait, what? drive down cable. We've been asked hey. not to oh, by okay. the, the advertiser. Well, you should tell me these things ahead of time. <laughs> <laughs> I actually like cable a lot, and I think, you know what? Try out Amazon Prime channels, guys. I like cable, too, because he's, like, from the future, right? He's (laughs) got a metal arm. Well, he was born in the present, but he was sent to the future, and then he came back. Isn't it always somebody's present, though? Uh, I guess so. (laughs) But I guess he's from the future in the same way that somebody who, like, moved to England when they were 10 is from England. It's like, I guess so. But you spent the first 10 years of your life in Kansas City. Okay. And what a Uh, time it was. Yeah. Our second sponsor that helps us uh, keep things going here is Green Chef. Support for the Flophouse comes from Green Chef, a USDA-certified organic company that includes everything you need to easily cook delicious meals that you can feel good about. Meal plans include paleo, vegan, vegetarian, keto, Gluten-free, omnivore, and carnivore. Each ingredient is thoughtfully sourced, and its journey tracked from planting to plating. Let Green Chef do the meal planning, grocery shopping, and most of the prep for you week after week. For $50 off your first box of Green Chef, go to greenchef.us slash flophouse. Uh, yeah, if you got a case of the hungries, hit them up. Now, guys, mm-hmm. I had Green Chef for dinner last night. Really? How did it work out? My wife and I had, uh, it was sausages and mashed potato and vegetables. There was chard uh-huh. in there. There was roasted red pepper in there. There was <clears throat> onions and uh, and fennel. And I cooked it myself, which is mm-hmm. something that I don't usually do because I can't cook. And you know what? It came out really nice. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I've tried a bunch of these uh, meal plans. And one of, the, one of the things I liked about, like, if you have any experience with these kind of meal plans, Green Chef is easy to is fairly easy to use, yeah. 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 Their their recipes in particular are very clearly written and have pictures on them, which for me a visual learner who loves seeing uh, you know, stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was very helpful. <laughs> yep. That's what I tell people about you is that you like to see stuff. Mhm. Mm-hmm. And they just give you what you need so you don't end up with any extra junk that you're throwing out or holding on to. Like, uh, how, what am I going to do with this extra little bit of Ginger root. 
I don't have any use mm-hmm. for this. I guess I'll keep it in my freezer forever until it turns into some kind of Groot-like tree thing and kills me <laughs> in my sleep. <laughs> wow. Groot, Groot got pretty yeah, dark well, in this new reimagining. Yeah don't, yeah, don't let that happen to you. Get the uh, green chef. <laughs> yeah, well, Groot got really mad because he was also dating Camilla. So oh, it, that really cool. hit him hard, too. Yeah. Did you have... Uh, that's the end of the 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 sponsors, but did you have something you wanted to say, Elliot? I did, Dan. I did have something to say. Now, uh, people may be aware that I have a uh, non-Flophouse-related project uh, coming out soon, October 30th, and I'd like to tell you about it. <clears throat> yeah, uh, when, am I, when am I getting my contributor's copy? Uh, contributor? <laughs> uh, I mean, I will give you a copy of it, but let me, t- let me just do my, uh, my ad read, please. <clears throat> Dogs and horses. For thousands of years, they've lived side by side. But have they ever actually met? Not until now, and the results will surprise and entertain you, especially if you're a child. In Horse Meets Dog, the new book by four-time Emmy Award-winning writer Elliot Kalin and illustrator Tim Miller. Available October 30th, wherever you buy books. Thanks, Dan. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. uh, as I was finishing my ad read, it seems like Dan opened up. What, were you just cracking a cube, of, a tray of ice cubes, or something, or what happened? Dan <laughs> opened a beer and it spilled all over the place. <laughs> yeah, hold- that that ad read was too hot. Yeah, oh, man. too hot. Why don't you talk you about? <laughs> why don't you talk about our live shows while I clean this up? You got it. Well, we've got two live shows in the future. First, mm-hmm. we're going to be appearing at you guessed it, the place everybody's been asking us to go to. Earlham College in, where is that, Stuart? <clears throat> Richmond, Indiana. Richmond, Indiana. That's right. It's our first time at Stuart and Dan's alma mater, and uh-huh. it's going to be pretty amazing. I'm going to make them show me, like, what dorms they stayed at, and uh-huh. I want to see all the places that they got in trouble, and yep. anyway, but I guess that's the stuff I'm going to do at Earlham. The, the place you, that Stuart and Dan got put on double secret probation. <laughs> <laughs> yep, but I should tell you what you could do. What you could do is you can get tickets to see us November 3rd. That's a Saturday. It's at 7.30 p.m. in the Goddard Auditorium. It's part of Earlham's Artist and Lecture Series. Uh, uh-huh. We're both artists and we're lecturing. And we're just going to do a live Flophouse episode. And uh, uh, are we saying what movie that we're watching yet or yeah, not? Yeah, let's say it. Let's fucking okay. just say it, dude. Dan. Let's rip this Band-Aid off. Dan, you want to announce what movie we're watching in Earlham? He- uh, he's struggling with his headphones, but I think <laughs> yeah, he's going to be it. in the game. Okay, okay. Dan, <laughs> well, what, what movie are we watching him for in. the... What's the uh, what's the movie we're doing for the Earlham show, Dan? I believe we just settled, we we just settled on we just settled on <laughs> <laughs> Jurassic Park, uh, Fallen Kingdom, Tragic I it's Kingdom, Jurassic, it's Jurassic World, yes. Fallen Kingdom. All so right. I what I I guess what I'm saying is, Stuart, I apologize that I didn't ask you to say what the title was, <laughs> since there were no less than three problems with my asking, Dan. <laughs> uh, I mean, but we'll be seeing. So that's November third, Saturday in Earlham in. Uh, Indiana. What's the name of that town again? Richmond, Indiana. <laughs> Richmond, Indiana. Uh, tickets are like tickets are only like ten dollars. Tickets are very cheap. So this is this is yeah. It's general admission. You don't have to be a student at Earlham. If you're anywhere in the area, I would advise going. We're going to be talking about Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom. It's going to be super fun. But hey, guys, that's not the only show we've got on the radar. Mm-hmm. We've got another show coming up in yep. January. That's right. In January of 2019, it's coming faster than you think. It's the future, people. We're going to be at the University of Wisconsin, Madison. That's right. 
my sister's alma mater and my grandma's alma mater. You guessed it. You, you, you followed all the clues. <laughs> all the clues. Uh, the place where my grandma was head of, I think, the Student Socialist Club. You know it. So anyway, that's going to be Saturday, January 26th, 2019 at 8 p.m. Uh, tickets are not as cheap as uh, at the Earlham show, but they're still a good price. And you get discount if you are a University of Wisconsin student. So if you are a Badger, go see this show. I'm going to make lots of jokes about Badgers because that's what people from Wisconsin are. So that's, again, November 3rd in Earlham College in Richmond, Indiana, and Mm -hmm. January 26th in Madison, Wisconsin at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, Flophouse Live. And uh, we'll have more live shows hopefully pretty soon just to announce. Now, I want to clarify. If you're a Badger, come. If you're a Honey Badger... Stay home because I've oh. seen some pretty disturbing videos about <laughs> yeah. you on the internet. Yeah, they don't oh, give man. a shit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, that's 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 an oldie. <laughs> that's an oldie, guys. <laughs> yeah, Dan's Dan's. I don't have any current references. Memes. <laughs> Dan's like, hey, uh, but if that dramatic prairie dog wants to show up, uh-huh. that would be fun. Yeah, and let's Just not remember, forget all your base cat. belong to us. <laughs> all your base belong to us. That's an old one. Yeah. Uh, and I want to say a quick thank you to everyone who entered the contest from the last episode about tweeting about the Flophouse. Uh, we have picked a winner, and we'll be announcing what movie we're going to do in November from them when we know what movie that is. Uh, anyone, everyone, I want to thank you all for tweeting about us, and please keep tweeting us about us with the hashtag Flophouse. Uh, please leave us some reviews on iTunes and all that stuff. Help us spread the word of this podcast because we – don't do a great job of it, and we need your help. We barely do a good job of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sad way, but it's, true. It's I misspoke earlier. It's obviously our, all your base are belong to us. I don't what want did, people what tweeting me. What did you say? I said I just forgot the R. Oh, but uh, no, let's good move save. on. To, yeah, you probably saved it. Yeah, I'm. There's going to be fewer idiots in wow. my inbox. Wow. wow. Dan. Oh, man. Is this the Flophouse with Lewis Black all of a sudden? Oh, man. No, uh, no. I mean, people calling me I got a, I got a oh, real I Yosemite see. Sam license plate next to me. <laughs> <laughs> you guys better back off. No, 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 no. Okay, no, so, no, no. Dan, what do we do next on the show? Next on the show, we read letters from listeners. Listeners like you, uh-huh. if you wrote a letter. If you didn't write a letter... You're still a listener, but you're probably not likely to be responded to on the air. Uh, glad you made that clear. <laughs> so if people are just listening to this and shouting at their iPod or shouting at their computer or whatever they listen to their podcast yeah, on, their yeah. phone. They are they're, SOL. Yeah, yeah they're, if they're just shouting at it, we're not going to hear you. you got to write it in a letter, dude. Yeah. Write it in a letter. This is from Elizabeth, last name withheld. Hey, Elizabeth wrote it in a letter, and that's how we can fly to her. Elizabeth, thank you for being a model for everybody else who wants to know how to get in touch with the Flophouse, because there's just two ways. Number one, write a letter. Number two, skywriting. 
wherever we happen to be. Because we're always looking into those blue skies, reaching for the stars with our feet on the ground. And sometimes we found that there's writing in the sky. I don't mean constellations. Those that aren't writing, that's more pictures. And by pictures, I mean like three stars that some Greek jerk decided were a Pegasus. But can I see it? No, it's the magic eye that never works. The sky. The stars, and the biggest star today is Elizabeth. Thanks for writing, Elizabeth. Okay, well, Elizabeth writes, My husband and I are huge fans of all the work you do, but I'd like to take this opportunity to express our particular gratitude to our man Dan. A couple months ago, we were sitting around discussing movie options when I told my husband maybe we should check out that Stop Making Sense movie that Dan McCoy is always going on about. Previous to our viewing of this movie, I would have described myself as a casual Talking Heads fan. But good lord, we were absolutely blown away. Within a week, we had purchased the soundtrack on vinyl, car stickers, and tickets for David Byrne's upcoming tour. We also watched Byrne's film True Stories, which we found absolutely goddamn delightful. I don't think I've listened to anything but Talking Heads since I watched it, and would now without question call them one of my favorite bands. I've never had such an immediate just-hook-it-to-my-veins experience with a piece of entertainment before, certainly not as an adult. My question for you guys is, when was the last time you were truly gobsmacked by a piece of entertainment? Elizabeth, last name withheld. Oh, man, that's a good question. Can we define gobsmacked? Yeah, yeah. And that's different from Godsmack the band, right? Because if I said Godsmack as my answer, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> now, I guess it would be. Now, gobsmacked could be used in a negative way. It could mean that you're like distressed, confused by something. Mm -hmm. But in the context of this letter, it's only a positive gobsmacking that we're looking for. Yeah, it's like a flip take. It can be good or bad. Yes, exactly. And in this case, it was she was so gobsmacked by talking heads that she went out and did a bunch of talking head shit that like she wouldn't have done sure. otherwise. Sure. So that kind of level of being engaged by Mm-hmm. Yeah. A piece of pop culture. Sure. Dan, did she steal your answer? Were you gonna say stop making sense? No, you know, the only thing that I could think of was um reading the Song of Ice and Fire books, actually. Yeah. Stuart uh recommended them to me, and then I was a real ass and I didn't read I read like the the uh intro to one of them, and I'm like, not for me. I think you I think your specific <laughs> words were that that the term wildling reminded you too much of younglings from uh, <laughs> Attack of the Clones or whatever. So you were like, nope. I mean, it's more, I mean, that's just more emblematic of like in general fantasy stuff doesn't yeah. do it for me. But then I saw a little bit of the show, which I don't watch anymore, but the show got me back into the books. Uh -huh. And once I gave the, sh the things a second chance, I was like, okay, well, this thing that Stuart likes seems to be liked by everyone and maybe I should pay attention to my good friend Stuart instead of uh scoffing at him. Yeah, what you and, said uh, was what basically what you said is I don't trust Stuart enough to listen to him, but the howling mob which has given us such things as President Donald Trump, I trust to tell <laughs> me what I should be. <laughs> yeah. But uh no, I I feel bad, but I uh I really, you know, tore through all the available books, which is stupid because now God knows that if any book ever shows up again, I'm going to not remember who anyone is because it's been so long. Oh, cool. I mean, I'm probably going to do another live reading for my wife, so okay, you can just I'll attend just those. I'll perch on your bed, uh, bed, 
the head of your bed like a cat. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, where I get to do voices for all the characters. Elliot, do you have an answer? <laughs> uh, I have a I have a couple different things I could talk about. Uh, yeah. Because lately, uh, does it have to be pop culture or can it be regular culture? I think it just said a piece of entertainment. Okay, I entertain. So, because like the thing that really affected me the most was uh, when I finally read Orlando by uh, uh-huh. Virginia Woolf last year, which yep. just like as a book just blew me away in a way that yeah. I didn't expect. But uh, there's some other things I, I've been having. I feel like I've been having this kind of re- reaction a lot to things lately in the past couple of years or so. There's a uh, there's a comics artist I like a lot named Tom Manning, and he has a new book out called Eric that that. Uh, really hit me over the head that I liked a lot. And there's this author, Anne Leckie, who has a science fiction series called uh, the Imperial Raj series that starts with a book called Ancillary Justice that I thought was amazing. Uh, and there's an, um, another comic series called AMA, which is spelled A-A-M-A. That's by a guy named Frederick Peters, and I've been really loving that a lot. So I don't know, guys. Things have just been blowing me away left and right. I don't know, I don't know what to tell you. There's a lot of yeah, things yeah. that I like. Yeah, I like I was I was pretty blown away and affected by Call Me by Your Name last year. Uh I like I felt like a pretty deep personal connection to it. Hmm. Um and then uh I feel like for comics there was a uh I think when I read the second issue of Alan Moore's Neonomicon, a book I don't recommend to anybody and content warning is very difficult to read and has uh sexual violence, so watch out. But uh it was just like it was horrifying in a way I had not experience in a comic book before <laughs> so i was ter- uh yeah and then i like went on to have to work a shift and i couldn't stop thinking about this horrible thing and i kept like looking at my ipad that i had read the digital version on and i was like <laughs> that thing's bad <laughs> it's like uh, i remember Stuart. at the, after you read i remember you telling me you were like it's certainly scary i don't know that i recommend it <laughs> um and uh I'm, I'm like hamilton like i feel like i was like Oh, I went yeah, into Hamilton not knowing what I was about to see. I was like, it's a history rap. And then coming out <laughs> of it like in tears and like feeling uh, moved by theater in ways that I, I kind of hadn't been. So, um, This is the next letter is from John, last name withheld. Stewart, our old boss. Hey, John, how you doing? Uh, hey, Elliot. Is this uh, a letter about what, like farming? What does he do now? Uh, he, he owns an animal farm. Yes, it's where uh-huh. it's it's a classic it's where animal Snowball farm. and Napoleon yeah, hang out. Yeah, the pigs run the place. Um, I always felt like Snowball got a got a rough 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 deal. <laughs> you think so? You think so, Stu? Yeah, yeah that's my take. <laughs> I think he might have uh, picked up one or two things from that book. Then, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know who didn't turn out the best in that book? The horse. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Um, anyway, John Last Name Withheld writes, <laughs> Greetings, Elliot. I'm a children's librarian, and I was very excited to hear about your upcoming children's book. But now I'm wondering, what are your, some of your favorite books to read to your son? Myself, I'm a big fan of Mo Wilms, and consider There's a Bird on Your Head to be one of the great classics of Western literature. It is a great book. Not to leave Dan or Stu out, let me ask them, did either of you have a favorite picture book as a child? Many thanks, John Last Name Withheld. So, uh, yeah, my favorite picture book is The Dark Knight Rises, dude. <laughs> <right>. Wait, what? <laughs> Frank Miller, baby. <laughs> okay. That's that's a movie. Uh, no, that's, that's the movie. I don't fucking remember. Uh, <laughs> 
I mean, in a way, guys. In a way, it's a guys, bump guys, for your eyes. <laughs> bump your brakes. <laughs> Isn't a movie kind of like a picture book? <laughs> Technically, aren't I right about this? <laughs> Uh, I I throw myself on the the mercy of the court, but I think I'm right. <laughs> uh, so Dan, what's your favorite picture book? What like Carl Barks Duck book, probably. Uh, I mean, I did read those over and over again as a child and as an adult now. Uh, but no, I was thinking about the book that I actually sent your new child. Um, oh yeah, you sent you sent. What is it called? The Museum of Everything? It's a Sesame Street book. Yeah, it's like Grover and the Museum of Everything. Everyone remembers Grover. Uh, there's a monster, the, there's at, the a monster at the end of the book. Yeah, Which is a brilliant book. Yeah, it, it's great. It's it's wonderful. But there's this other book that's done in the same style where it's the Museum of Everything. And Grover goes from museum room to museum room. And it's like the room for really big things. The room for really small things. Like the room that has a carrot in it, like stuff like that. <laughs> and then there's the room for vegetables that are not carrots. Yeah, it's very, it's very funny. It's, uh, I don't know, it's just delightful. It's got that same sense of humor as uh, the one that everyone knows. But and it teaches a valuable lesson about the inability, the futility to uh, create order out of chaos. Right. How we live in a universe that is essentially unknowable, and yet we are really forced by our own uh, fevered minds to try to apply some sort of logic and rationale to it, and we are uh, uh, obstructed at every turn. That's the message you wanted to give to my baby son, right? That's right. That's right. Uh, do you have uh, recommendations, Elliot? I do. A- uh, there's two two books I'm going to recommend. I, I, I almost called you a child owner. <laughs> <laughs> It's a weird way to put it, yeah, but still pretty good. Uh, there's uh, there's a book called Extra Yarn that's written by Mac Barnett and the artist by John Klassen, and I think it is one of the best picture books that's ever been produced. Like the writing is beautiful, the the art is beautiful, but it's super simple and it's very funny, but it's also very warm. But it, without, I'm like really in awe of how they were able to pull it off and construct it. And it's a book that I've done a lot of studying of to try to help me with with children's book writing. So that's the one. I think Extra Yarn is like one of, if not the best, children's book of the last, I don't know, however long, you know, 10 or 20 years, in my opinion. Uh, and I read it to Sammy quite often, and I'm looking forward to reading it to my second son as well. And eventually to my seventh son, who himself will have a seventh <laughs> son, and that will be a wizard. That's going to be great. Out. But I also say, you know what's a great picture book? It's called Horse Beats Dog. It's written by me, art by Tim Miller. comes out October 30th. Buy it wherever books are sold. Uh, and, oh, you know what? When I get the, uh, if I have any, I'm going on a book tour for it in early November, right after our Earlham show. And if the dates involve actual stores, I'll mention them on a future podcast so that people can come see me. But some of the dates are just going to be school visits. Sorry, adults. Kids rule, adults drool. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's true. Only it's right. Yep. Especially when they're when they're sleeping, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, this next letter is from Jack, last name withheld, mm-hmm. who writes: A friend of mine was recently in an improv comedy show in which they performed an original movie based on a title given to them by the audience. The title shouted at them by me was, of course, "Catch That Kid." 
Mm-hmm. They gave a terrific performance, perhaps worthy of the flop house. I have a transcript of the performance written up, and I'll take $700,000 for the rights. Here's a list of elements from the script in case I mean, you're not already fair. convinced. Yeah, very fair. A creepy carnival for lost children. Mm-hmm. A sewer detective who has been to New York. The sewer de- <laughs> cool. Wait, the who s- has been to New York? <laughs> yeah. The sewer detective, the alligator partner, mm-hmm. an imagination hat. Okay. A man turns into a car. Sure. The titular kid's name is Jeremy. Sounds right. A deadly dream game of dodgeball. Oh, okay. I eagerly, I eagerly await your response. You can make the check out to first name withheld, Alexander O'Brien, last name withheld. Mm, okay. And well, that was, uh, uh, the I'm improv glad. group was Improv Chattanooga. Who <laughs> <laughs> he says we should check out if we're ever in Tennessee. Pass. Okay. Wow. Pass on that. Oh, wow. Dan. The only Tennessee pretend. Dan wants the uh, only Tennessee Dan likes is the song by Arrested Development. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, you're never going to be in Tennessee. Just say, okay, and then just don't do it. Yeah, I have seen enough improv comedy for three lifetimes, I think, at this point. What if Peter Sellers came back from the dead Uh uh and was doing a show at UCB? It's a level one show. He just started taking improv lessons. Would you order that? Yes, I would go to see the the late Peter Sellers in an improv show at UCB. Tennessee, the ball's in your court. Get Peter Sellers. <laughs> uh, well, that sounds great. Good luck with the uh, screenplay. Just keep checking your mailbox, and uh, the check will be there. Uh, and then have fun cashing that at the bank. And this last letter is very fast. <laughs> it's it's merely, dear floppers, uh-huh. who's your Huckleberry? Thanks, Doc. Last name withheld. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's uh, Doc Hollywood, right? <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> it has to be. Uh, yeah. I'll tell you who my Huckleberry is. You two guys. I have two Huckleberries. Oh, that's Dan very sweet. and Stewart. Uh, okay, cool. Well, uh, I can't say the same for you. Is that weird? <laughs> oh, oh man, how dare you, sir? Uh, yeah, I just I think it's weird that you sprung that on me like this, and we <laughs> should have talked about it off the air. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> Well, I mean, we we could have if Dan ever told us the letters ahead of time. But uh, I told you prefers- I, I, I'm sorry, Dan- I didn't tell you about the joke Huckleberry one. Dan, Dan uh. prefers to uh, first to one keep the spontaneity of the show, and two preserve the laziness of picking the letters right before we record. <laughs> and he uh, and I think he likes the rare moments of emotional rawness that we just saw. Yeah. yeah. So in fact, you know what? Fuck you, Dan. Fuck you, Stuart. You're not my Huckleberries anymore. I am oh, wow. de-Huckleberrying you. What did I do? Well, this I'm, whole springing a letter on me know. and ruining my friendship <laughs> okay. with Stuart. <laughs> I, I just think you're moving too fast. Now I'm going to go back to my <laughs> original Huckleberry, uh, Danny Glover. Oh, wow. Yeah, we're very close. We spent star, a lot of time together. Star of Pure Luck and Grand Canyon? Yep, my two favorite Danny Glover films. I ask him about it all the time. And I'll tell you what, when it comes to having fun, he's not getting too old for that shit. No, <laughs> that's that's good to hear. Um, so let's go on to the next and last segment <laughs> uh-huh. of the show what where we, we recommend movies, movies that you should spend your time on before you get around to Dweegans and Leprechauns. Yeah, we're, we all have like limited time on this earth, you know? <laughs> Don't make the same mistake we did of wasting some of it on Dweegans and Leprechauns. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Like when you are, when you are lying on your deathbed and you're like, I wish I had more time to spend Watching Tweakins and Leprechauns. 
I only wish that someone had made a sequel so I could spend time with that. Mm-hmm. We're just watching the first one again. Guys, I'm going to stuff. A, you find new stuff. I'm going to turn into a video artist, and my first installation is just going to be Dweegans and Leprechauns on a loop for 24 hours. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Uh, played, what, on, off of a movie projector? or? Yeah, sure. Oh, okay, cool. Just projected on a on a bowl of children's tears. <laughs> That's <Yes>. right. <laughs> I, I, I I've, I've already gotten into the uh, in, into the trouble with a lot of parents groups, a lot of uh, police officers about uh, making children cry so much that I could collect <laughs> a, a whole bowl of their tears. But yep, you just. Keep running around shouting Snape kills Dumbledore and <laughs> catching <laughs> catch the results. Nothing sadder than that. Yeah. Uh, movie recommendations. Should I start? Is that what's happening? Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You offer. You're um, the boss. <laughs> Mona's the boss. I thought we covered that. <laughs> well, how is Mona the boss? She doesn't tell anybody what to do. She's a joke with her I think own she family. Tells, I think she tells everyone what to do all the time. But they don't listen to her. Clearly, You're not gonna... Angela is the boss because she pays the bills. I guess. I don't know. I feel like that's that's a, like a vague definition of bosses. I mean, it's like the basic, <laughs> most basic foundational definition of boss. I mean, okay, maybe Dan, in the, your capitalist culture. Uh, I'm looking back in my uh, letterbox records to see what movies i watched uh it's just you're recently. looking back in the letterbox records to see who the boss was just say yeah. angela, it's angela. Don't, if you say angela. jonathan you're off the podcast <laughs> yeah. or say tony if you want because he holds a sort of sexual power over angela that's part of mona's attraction that why she's the boss <laughs> no but she's a slave to that power too I don't know. dan you gotta you gotta settle this who's the boss uh my boss no, come on. Okay, Dan, what's your movie that you're recommending? Or Stuart, do you have one Dude, lined up? Go, go through your letter. Combing what? through his offline memory. I'm just... I'm waiting for... Like, I know Dan's got a good one. Look at his face. <laughs> it's not a good one. <laughs> He's I, got a real good one. It's been such a long buildup that... Uh, Dan, have you seen any movies in the movie theater? No, I'm. it's a good movie, but it's not a surprising choice, I, is I guess what I should have said. Okay. Um... Some time ago now, because we took a while off recording for mm-hmm. reasons that we've all r- mm-hmm. recorded on this podcast before. This mm-hmm. is necessary uh, backstory. Now, Dan, just for the just for uh, just for context, I'm going to recommend a movie from 1985, and I am not going to bother explaining why I'm waiting till now to recommend it. So okay. don't feel like you need to tell well, people why you're recommending it now. Okay, it's just that this is a movie recently in the theater, Black Klansman. I thought. Um, Maybe the movie I've enjo- uh, I've enjoyed and thought was the most important uh, this year. Um, I don't know. I, it's I, really fun. It's a great movie. Yeah, I feel like there's not a lot to say about it at this late date because it's been out and people have talked a lot about it. But what struck me about it was how funny a lot of it was. Like it, it's dealing with a lot of heavy, heavy issues and upsetting themes, um, but. The story of the of the movie, as fictionalized as it is, uh, lends itself to a lot of comedy throughout the film. And then at the end of the movie, the movie says, "Remember how you were enjoying yourself?" Ah, 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 ah. And it punches you in the stomach. Yep. And you walk out crying. Yeah. Uh, but in a in, in a in a meaningful way. Yeah, I think in it, an important it, way. It juggles tone really well. Yes. 
And uh, and the actress who plays the evil racist wife, Ashley Atkinson, is super lovely and drinks in my bar a lot. So come, come to Hinterlands and see her be oh, much nicer than she is in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> inviting people to stalk someone who comes to your bar. Oh, yeah, don't stalk, don't stalk her. She's very nice, though. Okay. <laughs> So, Stuart, uh, what movie are you going to recommend? Oh, man, I could. Let me reach into my big bag of movies I watched recently. Uh, I mean, I guess an easy one. Is, I just went and saw Mandy, the uh, Nicolas Cage psychedelic freakout from the director of uh, Beyond the Black Rainbow. Uh, it's a movie that features uh, some super classic Nicolas Cage, uh, like maniac acting. Um it's got an amazing score. It's the kind of movie that I feel like you wouldn't. You, I mean, I people say this a lot, but like it's the sort of movie you it's it's playing in a limited release in theaters. And if you get a chance, you should see it because for one, you're not going to see have a chance to see super fucking weird movies like this in the theaters that often. Um, and it's weird in that it's has a very straightforward, relatively simple premise, but the story is told strangely. And, uh, I mean, it's, we don't get to see Nicolas Cage starring in movies in the theater that much anymore. Right. Like it's true. Most of the time, if you're seeing Nicolas Cage, it's on video on demand. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's really great. Yeah. And also just the, the score of this movie, which was the, uh, I think the, the composer like Johan Johansson, I think this is either his last movie that he scored or one of the last movies he scored. He just passed away. And it's really incredible and oppressive and great. And I mean, this is a movie that does feature Nicolas Cage getting in a chainsaw fight with another guy. Uh, and there's a certain breakout star in the middle of the movie that I don't want to spoil for anyone. But man, uh, yeah, go check out Mandy. I really want to see that. I want to see both of those movies because I haven't had a chance to. I'm going to recommend, as I said, a movie from 1985. That's right. The year David Kalen was born, my brother. Happy birthday. It's not <laughs> wow, his birthday, he's, but... It's his birth video. Wait a minute. He's only... <laughs> it's a very small, he's only small 33? Ending. Yeah. Woof. It's <laughs> oh, a horrible Woof. thing to say. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to recommend... Uh, it's a Japanese movie called Tampopo. Uh, it's directed mm-hmm. by Juzo Itami, and it is a really funny movie and a really weird movie. It's about uh, these two truckers decide that they're going to help a woman who runs a ramen bar uh, to become the greatest ramen chef she can be. And much of the movie is about making noodles and cooking noodles. But then there's also these kind of short sketches, basically, that pop up every now and then that are kind of about people's relationships with food and how food is, uh, how people deal with it from a sensual point of view, but also from a social point of view. And it's just like, it's one of these movies that, you never are quite certain exactly what's coming along. And even like the score is really funny. The way that like this very, it's very dramatic music for a movie about a woman who is learning how to cook noodles. Uh, And it's just a really, I really enjoyed it a lot. I thought it was a really good movie and it looks great. And you've got a young Ken Watanabe uh, in a pivotal supporting role. And so I would recommend it. Tampopo, if you want to see a movie about two truckers teaching women how to cook noodles that's much funnier than that sounds, then go for it. Deal with it. I mean, I feel like every movie 
that I go to the theaters nowadays. I'm just sick of all these truckers teaching noodle making movies. <laughs> if you want to learn more about the ramen process than you ever thought you wanted to know, it's that's a reason to watch it too. I think that Stuart does want to know a lot about the ramen. Yeah, problem. I love ramen, dude. I'm crazy for that shit. Oh, then this is the movie for you. Mm-hmm. It also Dr- has drown me in it. It also has one of the weirdest sex scenes I've ever seen in a movie. So. You might like that, too. If it, if it involves ramen, it's not that weird. <laughs> I feel like it's pretty natural. Yeah. Just do with the ramen. I kind of would like if, you know, if I had to go, I mentioned in the past that if I had to, if I had to die uh, violently, I, I mean, want to You do to be, have to die. Hopefully if, not violently. But if, but if, but if I have someday. to die violently, I would want to be uh, devoured alive by a critter ball, you know, like rolled <laughs> over by a giant ball of critters like in Critters 2. Yep. But I think a close second is filling a uh, like a kiddie pool with ramen and drowning me in it. Kind of like that scene in Dead or Alive where they drown that young woman in a uh, kiddie pool full of excrement. Mm-hmm. Okay. But not oh, yeah. excrement. I, mean, I want ramen instead. I don't feel like I needed that uh, comparison. I understood perfectly what you were saying without <laughs> comparing it to that movie. I feel like the reference helps. I feel like the reference helps people. Elliot, I saw the look of real, like understanding dawn on Elliot's face. I, I had real that. trouble visualizing it. And then you mentioned the scene where she drowns in excrement. Uh, and I was like, Oh, I got it. I get it now. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. I thought it was necessary. Okay. Yeah. So cool. Uh, let's sign off. Let's do that. <laughs> Uh, okay. There's a lot as, of great as vi- visions of kiddie pools filled with excrement dance in our in our heads. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. remember to go over to max maximumfun.org, uh, <laughs> listen to a bunch of uh, other podcasts that don't th- have things about kiddie pools filled with excrement in them. I mean, you uh-huh. won't know till you listen, really. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's True. part of the joy of podcasts. Yeah, stop podcasting yourself. This week is all about kiddie pools filled with excrement. All of a sudden, for some I reason, mean, <laughs> yeah, you know uh, those guys. <laughs> but uh enjoy that and for the flop house i've been dan mccoy i'm Stuart wellington i'm elliot kalen saying tweet about us review us whatever you want to do take the flop house and put it in your outside world life because you know what you need it we need you and together maybe just maybe just maybe he's still uh-huh. trying to come up with a he's line. got an end to the sentence <laughs> I'll I'm think sure of an does. end. To, maybe, just maybe, I'll think of an end to this sentence. All right. <laughs> Thank you, guys. See you later. Bye. Bye. Now, if there are any scenes that I don't mention that you want to bring up, go ahead and bring them up. I think they've me. already escaped my brain as a fever dream. Because if so. you wanted to, if you want to talk about the part where. Uh, the dad walks in and Griso is using the dad's toothbrush as a loofah. In that a is a hundred percent. Why would we not? T- that was like the best <laughs> scene in the movie. Okay, well, uh, well, maybe I'll mention it. I, I can what are you guys, stupid? Concept. It's the best part. Or the scene where the elderly Juigan is lusting after the grandma from afar. Uh, yeah. You, don't, you know, let me know if you want to mention these. Just bring them up. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.